All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. My man Patrick doing a great job DJing a top of the charts Tuesday. A lot of breaking news before we get to breaking down Texas men's basketball. Big win over the Baylor Bears. Uh, the news that really shocked the sports world happened at the, during the first segment of the show. The Denver Broncos trading for Sean Payton. Trading a first round pick, a second round pick, and then exchange. I believe they're going to get Sean Payton and a third round pick from the New Orleans Saints. We do not know what the salary of Sean Payton is just yet. There is expected to be a uh, kind of blockbuster uh, news when it comes to his salary as well, that he's probably going to be, if not one of the highest paid, he might be the highest paid coach in the NFL when that is announced. Also, the Houston Texans have hired officially D'Amico Ryans as their new head coach. He's getting a six-year deal. Uh, We'll break that down and talk about that a little bit more in Rod's rant of the day. So next segment, we'll just talk about the those coaching hires and that breaking news in the NFL. Uh, but right now, let's get back to Texas men's basketball, gentlemen. Big win uh, for the men coming off of a disappointing loss to Tennessee on the road in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Had to bounce back. Patrick said the one thing that you did not want to see, back-to-back losses in this four-game stretch here. They got, and it's one of the toughest for any team in the country, had Tennessee, uh, which was a top-five team. Now I think they're number two in the land. was a top-five team when they played them. Um, they just played Baylor Bears. That was against number 11, I believe, the Baylor Bears were. And then you'll have Kansas and Kansas State coming up, and I believe both of those teams are top-10, top-15 teams as well. It is a Herculean task just to try to come out of this stretch with a 500 record, just to try to stay even. But they did their uh, their damnedest to do so with a big win over Baylor, 76-71. Uh, my you know breakdown and analysis starts with Timmy Allen just watching that game last night. He's the one that really set the tone, really set the tempo, both ends of the floor. Ended up at 18 points, but 7 of 10, 6 yep. rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, I mean, t- at mid-range Timmy, Timmy mid-range is kind of what I'm gonna start calling the guy. I mean, you give—I'm sure everybody's got a nickname for him because he's becoming a beloved figure. Um, Rodney Terry said before the game he challenged Timmy Allen and told Timmy Allen, "We're gonna need you on both ends of the floor to be a difference maker." And Timmy Allen definitely responded, and I thought early on he was the one that really set the tempo. So Jabari Rice ended up having, I think, 21 points in that matchup, yep. but 15 of those came in the second half. Um, so to start off that game, it was Timmy Allen's leadership, and here's what Coach Rodney Terry said to Timmy Allen, or at least he told the media, he said to Timmy Allen prior to the matchup, the challenge was for Timmy to go out and guard a pro right now. That was Keontae George. He's going to be guarding pros next year. We needed him to give us uh, his best tonight, and I thought he did that. Um, and then they asked Timmy Allen about guarding Keontae George. He said, I just tried to make him earn shots. Um, he said, I'll take tough ones. If he makes it, cool, head down, next play. Make him work hard. Make him run. Make him sweat. Make him get frustrated. Try to get up on him a little. But but credit to him, he still got it going. Yeah, but he started slow. I think he started 0 of 7 yeah. or something in that game. But then he got it going. Timmy Allen kept it going from start to finish. Um, that was kind of my player of the game for the Longhorns in that matchup. Yeah, and, that, and that's a great one. I mean, you know, what we call him Tourniquet Timmy. He's out there doing <laughs> yeah. his thing, too. You know, I mean, the way he's gone about his business, and I've been saying it from the very beginning, 15 to 17 points uh, is something that we expect from him every single night. That's his contribution. I thought against Tennessee, he was slow to the game. 
He wasn't being near as aggressive. Um, and I'm glad to see that this game he came out. Glad, I'm glad yeah. Coach Terry tra- challenged him. And not only did he get involved on the defensive end, that created offense for him. Yeah. And before we left yesterday, I said, Tyrese Hunter, what I want to see from him is being more active. When you can create steals, you can create layups, you can create opportunities for yourself, and if you get easy buckets, that gets you in a rhythm as well. And that's what I felt like he did yesterday, too. I thought Tyrese Hunter, even though his numbers were 5 of 17 and he was 3 of 12 from three-point land, I thought he played a decent enough game in the looks that he got. Even his shot, even though they weren't going in, they were good looks. They were open shots, and he wasn't hesitant on the shots. Uh, I think there was a couple times that he knew that he didn't have the jumper, mm-hmm. and he pump fake, got to the rim, and got a layup. And then he also, I think he had three steals in that game as well. That was a plus. But, of course, Serge Jabari Rice is the answer, man. Mm-hmm. Timmy Allen's done his thing, especially when you have Marcus Carr, who back-to-back games didn't have his best game numbers-wise. Yeah. Numbers-wise. But he was very instrumental in the success that they had. His plus-minus yesterday was plus 13. So that means he was very efficient with his time on the floor. But Serge Burry Rice, the clutch time, the winning time, making free throws down the stretch, he's the one that I want to make sure at the end of the game, between him and Marcus Carr, those are the guys that I want on the free throw line. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we saw, too, that Marcus Carr was able to have that clutch gene still and hit a very, very big, big step-back yeah. jumper that we know has been his shot this season. Uh, and I'll, I'll give – you know, we didn't talk about him in the first hour. Dylan Mitchell, he showed some hmm. real flashes in this yep. game yep. of early in the game he was doing really well of playing between the high and low yep. where they were, you know, coming, making it hard for the guards on the perimeter to get anything going. You could throw it in tall for J- Dylan Mitchell, and then he would toss it off to Dylan DeSue in the post. He gets an easy bucket. So those kind of plays was good to see. He was rebounding pretty well. He, of course, had a big putback that I think was number two in the top ten this morning on yeah. Sports Center. Yeah, that was yeah. nice. So he man. got that. He had the the steal that was right in front of us uh, on the announce table that he comes down, and then he hurts himself on that that foul. But I, I think you saw a little bit more of flash to him, and I saw Rodney Terry told Craig after the game, he was like, look, I told the guys after the, t- the Tennessee game, this is the second half of your season. You're put, you're rendering the second half of Big Twelve, mm-hmm. and the good teams get better. We have to be better. We can't we can't be. Hey man, we're number one in the Big Twelve, yep. and coast on that. We need to get better and be a better team, and that starts with defensive intensity, and it starts tonight. And man, we saw it. They came out on that court, and they looked like they were men on a mission. The guard play, you know, with L.J. Cryer, Flagler, yep. uh, Keontae George, that is a really good. Three guards, absolutely. Like, whenever in college basketball, if you can have three guards averaging double digits, like that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And for Texas to be able to, they all still got their double digits, but they did not allow them to get a ton of assists. They did not allow them to push the offense a lot. Keontae George is averaging ten assists a game. Yeah, he had none. Which yeah. is that's you know crazy. I mean, that's crazy. That's yeah. what I'm saying is that's a thing where you mm-hmm. shut him down to basically when he got the ball, he made him. He had to go shoot. Because he was so taken out of his rhythm and taken out of the game because Timmy Allen just fronted him so well for a lot of that game and, and Jabari Rice fronted him. And you had guys that were basically denying him the ball mm-hmm. that it made it to where he could not be as effective even if you're normally he's playing a team, he's getting points, but then you go, oh, we're going to stop him from shooting. I like he that. distributes. So that defensive game plan and the execution of the defensive game plan because you have the best game plan in the world. 
don't matter if you don't execute. From the, the steals, from just disrupting passes in the middle to making them take hard threes, which they hit early, but then it started to fade out. It just it was a very well-played game, and it was something that we have not seen in games against Baylor in recent years. In games against Baylor, this team is, you know, Scott Drew has outcoached us many times right. and been ready for whatever Texas does. And something Rodney Terry has going for him being an interim coach and being this guy is he doesn't have an identity that is, like, really traceable and stealable yet. Mm, I like that. And so you see that teams can't take away the one thing you do because you're being you're showing to be multifaceted. The defense they played against Baylor, they can't really play against many other teams in the Big 12 because those guys will be too fast for them and get to the bucket. So you have to change up what you're doing, but I love what they did last night. Now, that's a great point, too, about uh, we don't really, don't really know what – the tendencies of Rodney Terry are just yet and how he adjusts to everything. They think they do. Yeah, they don't just yet. And he doesn't have that set in the way of if you go to Kansas or you go to Baylor now, you know that they're going to try and run their system because they're proven national championship yep. head coaches. Yeah, why would you defer from it? It's and worked. so you know <laughs> if you go to San Antonio, the Spurs are going to run a similar system yeah. that they have been running for 20 years. You know that. So if you want to coach against it, you go, hey, man, these are the passing lanes this is what they do. With Rodney Terry, he's able to change those up a little bit. And we saw at the end of that game, to Timmy Allen, they were basically running a really weird throw it to a big man who boxes out and then mm. drops that off to Timmy Allen, who's p- posting up. And then Timmy Allen fronts up once he gets the ball. But it was a way to really safely get him the ball without having to try and run a bunch of screens. And another thing they were doing really well last night was they were really good at getting a ball – basically cutting off the lane of a zone to where you would watch a guy pass out to a three-point shooter and stand right in front of him, and he'd have two defenders right behind him that he's basically screening so the three-point shooter can get the shot off with no one getting in his face. And they did that a lot of times in that game to get open threes. Yeah. No. And, and early on, I love the, just the Craig Waste stat, so I just keep giving it. Uh, Baylor got hot early on from three-point range, and it, 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 you thought, oh, man, this could end up being a long night if Baylor's going to be hitting threes like that. They hit five of their first six three-pointers from outside, um, and then they only hit three of their last 20 three-pointers yep. from outside. Texas really ratcheted up their defensive intensity. So basically the first eight, eight nine minutes of the game, uh, Baylor really was they, – they were hot from outside. Texas made it a point um, to, to make sure their perimeter defense was a priority for them, and it really made a huge difference. Um, and everybody contributed to that too. And um, to, to the point you brought up about Dylan Mitchell, there was that sequence. I'm sure you guys remember it where Dylan Mitchell has to dunk, then he has the block on yep. the other end, yep. and then comes back and almost gets the assist. But it ends up, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it was Sue yeah. that went going to the free throw line. It, it, but that that sequence showed you, whoa! You saw that the flash. You saw it. Yeah, oh, that athleticism. Man. It's, it's undeniable. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have. I heard I heard Craig talk about this too. He was talking about Eddie was saying Eddie Orn said that if he can develop a mid range jumper, he's going to be deadly. Yeah. Because he's so long and he has that jumping ability that people will not be able to get up there to block his shot. Mm. There that's that's people don't understand how important that is, especially with that link. That's why Kevin Durant is so effortless on the perimeter because he, he's a natural guard. I mean, but he just happens to be six ten. So damn long. But you can't get there no. to block it. There's not a shot that he can take 
that you can feel that you're going to be able to block it. And I think if he can get just a, just a little mid-range, because he's got nice form at the free throw line, so you know it's there. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of him being consistent. But I'll go back to it one more time before we move off of this. Tyrese Hunter is going to play a major role in the success oh, yeah. or the failures of this team as the season continues to roll on because his defensive presence was outstanding yesterday. Yep. The way he played yesterday defensively mm-hmm. was huge, and he's you can see that he's not thinking, oh, I missed that shot. Oh, man, I t- that shot right there is not falling. It don't matter. He's still shooting it up because he's getting good looks. He believes that they're going to end up falling, and I do too. Because he is getting the shot that he wants. And I agree with you, too, that if he continues to play defense at this rate, mm-hmm. it's only going to help his confidence in the offensive game. Because the more you get steals, the more you get plays, the more you feel better about your game, the better, the easier it is to play. So if you're yeah. trying to play and, and you're not – and they're scoring on you and you're not scoring, mm-hmm. then you feel like you're not competing. But if you can go in that film room – Afterwards, and be like, look at what you did there. Look at what you did there. And you're like, oh, I'm a plus on the court. Yep. So now I only add it by scoring. Yep. It just helps the mental game. And we know what he can do. So, you know, it's just a matter of time before it clicks on. You just hope it happens at the right time. Yeah. Uh, to your point about Dylan Mitchell Hart and developing a mid-range game, hey, start hanging out with Timmy Allen more. Yeah, that's Mid- it. With mid-range Timmy, man, because he'll teach you about it because uh, the mid-range game is just nice. I love me some mid-range Timmy. Hey, mid-range and, Timmy, man. And, 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 by and, the way, and he got his hair braided back because uh, Saturday. Oh, he did, yeah, it, it did look we nice. We were like, I didn't even know he had hair like that. <laughs> when he had a fro on Saturday, I was like, my man got a fro out yeah, there Yeah, you got to get it done, man. You got to get the hair done. Uh, just real quick, I know, Pat, you got something to say. Uh, real quick, I did read the quote that uh, Rodney Terry said that they run. Here's the quote. Timmy, a lot of times in our games, we're able to play through him. Yep. He calms us down. That's huge. Oh, that's, yeah. your Timmy, that's your Timmy Tarnikin. Exactly. Yep. That's it. That he no, calms him down. He is. Because he yeah. is, yeah. He, and he just plays a style of basketball that is very consistent normally and very it's, it's very low risk. That's that's his like that's, Patrick, that. that's yeah. Patrick's way of saying he's playing old man basketball. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear Jeff Howe always says, and I think it's a great point, but I bet if you looked at the analytics, he wouldn't be considered a great player exactly. analytically. But he, he, he that's defi- why I he say when you analytics. look at it, when, your eyes, when your eyes watching <laughs> the game, you realize he is doing everything possible to help his team win in the mid-range is the lost art of basketball. And it just it – I mean, it's one of those things. Yeah, you're like analytically, but I can tell you there's not a coach in basketball that doesn't want a guy like that on your exactly. team. Exactly. There you go. I mean, I can just put it in here, and this guy's good for what he does here. And unless he gets in that foul trouble. Right. That's the problem. Yep. But I will say this with Dylan Mitchell, too, is when you go to the Kevin Durant thing, he needs to learn how to use his body like Kevin Durant. He's probably never going to put on big muscle. Right. But Kevin Durant is pretty effective in back-to-the-basket basketball where he's not posting up pushing back, but in controlling his footwork and controlling his body to put you where he wants you to be able to spin and shoot over the top and get, and get where he wants off. to go. That's right. So that kind of footwork and just body control yeah. is something that it's hard to have at 18, 19 years old. Yep. And it just takes a while. Durant didn't have it while he was here either. Mm. But you can watch him now and go, all right, that's stuff to kind of work on during the offseason to try and get better. I will also mention Texas uh, got help last night. Iowa State uh, loses to Texas Tech. That's crazy. And After overtime? being up 23. 23, which now makes Texas, uh, I mean, they're technically in lead of first right now, but right. they're not Tied because K-State, K-State yeah. they're technically tied. They're 
they're tied with K-State. K-State played Kansas tonight. Mm. So if that game could give Texas full possession tonight, if not, they play them on Saturday. They have the chance to go control their own fate to get to the number one seed by Saturday or get to the number one in, in the conference. So I, I love that Texas is in that position. And it was a good gift by Texas Tech last night to get their first conference win. I don't know how I was watching that game. That was Craig Way was watching it. He said, "Oh yeah, we had, had we had watching it, on, it during the game." I was like, Craig, yeah. I, what, hey, listen, man, multiple screens up during the game. Craig Guys, Way, uh, me, me and Eddie might have had a basketball game on too. We know it just happens at the desk. Look, yeah, look, sure, I guess so, I did a game with Craig, Craig Way. Calling the game though, oh, no, we're, we're not watching it hardcore during the game. Oh, I like, know, but there's timeouts, there's breaks. Still, that guy's the ultimate multitasker. I don't know how the hell he does that. I did a baseball game with Craig Way, and we were sitting there, and I looked over. Craig had his iPad <laughs> on one game. He had his phone on another exactly. game. And he was asking me if I had access so I could pull up another <laughs> game on there. I was like, oh, yeah. Actually, I'm watching another game as well. And that's amazing. It was all the 12 games now, at the time. Y'all see it. Never him, seems distracted. Of him talking Never. to Fran Fraschilla. But making it seem like he is just talking on the radio. Yep. So he is breaking down the Texas Tech game of telling people what it is, but he's literally talking to Fran Fraschilla, who's sitting right next to him. <laughs> and he's talking to him, and he's like, and then, and, and you're just like, man, how is he doing it where I'm listening to it? And he's I can amazing, see one man. thing, yeah. but I'm listening to another. And no, it's I'm, amazing. I, it's a, it is amazing. Like, I'm telling you, his multitasking ability is just uh, it's otherworldly. That's it's why his freakishly. mind is freaky to me. <laughs> it like, is. It's amazing to me. I have problems right now. What did you say to me the other day? What? I just said the just, exact same thing. Totally and I'm like, hey, man, I was just trying to make sure <laughs> exactly. that I was, got like, the news right. There you go. <laughs> I think you're looking at one screen, Craig Ray's got four of them, calling the game, and they're probably texting with somebody too. He does that during the game. Exactly. You'll text with game. You'll get a text from Craig sometimes during the game. You're going, I think he's. I thought he was calling the game. I was like, how, text him how back. long is that delay? Exactly. How long is that oh, delay? Man, the man's got. I would say he wasted. He's wasting his intellectual capacity. I know he's the best play-by-play guy in the business, but he'd be much better served working for an intelligence agency for this government, exactly for our country. Because I do think he's one of those guys. Help us track down terrorists and other stuff. I was. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching Tulsa King today. I believe. That he could be one of those ATF agents to yeah, where he exactly. knows exactly, put everything together because he's seen it all. No doubt. If I was like a mob boss, I would make him my consigliere because he would just remember strange, weird exactly. stuff. He'd be able to give me counsel and advice. Yep. He could work in the crime world as an underboss or he could work for the government as an intelligence agent. I just don't know which one. But thankfully for us, he's our play by play guy. That's exactly He's the right. voice of the local. He's the voice. And of you know the what? Lohan. Maybe he does do that. I would say Craigway could easily be a spy. Because he travels a lot, so if he just needs to do stuff, little shady stuff in between, like exchange briefcases and uh, you know assassinate people, he does that really quick and gets right back on the plane or driving in the car and does what he needs to do. And then you realize that's not really a Comrex. <laughs> oh man, that's great! Uh, all right, we come back. We got uh, Rod around the day. We're talking NFL headlines, two big ones: uh, the Denver Broncos hiring Sean Payton. We'll get to that breakdown. Uh, why that's a great hire for them, and the Texans hiring D'Amico Ryan's. I'll talk about why I love that hire so much. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on One Four Nine The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. Start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butt. 
All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie and Rod's rant of the day. I want to talk about these two coaching hires that have been made uh, in the NFL. First by the Texans here close to home, and then we'll get to the Denver Broncos hiring Sean Payton. Um, as everybody knows, I'm a big fan of D'Amico Ryans. I even said during the season, I thought the Texans should have been looking into D'Amico Ryans. Before his name came up with the Texans, I said, man, they got to look into D'Amico Ryans. I don't know if he's a front runner, and he was not at the time. Uh, but as the season went on, that defense starts to look better and better. He became a front runner, and finally the Texans decided to interview D'Amico Ryans. And the way things have gone, there have been deferring reports, I should say, about the timeline of this. I think Ian Rappaport was saying that the Denver Broncos went back and forth on D'Amico Ryans. Uh, Adam Schefter saying that pretty much the Texans zeroed in on D'Amico Ryans uh, around about Sunday or this past weekend, late this past weekend, and he's saying that the Denver Broncos zeroed in on Sean Payton. And, and my man Hart's Showed a picture of Sean Payton this past weekend in his suit. <laughs> what did you say? What kind of tie did he have on? He had that orange tie, uh, and that it was orange a, crush. It, it looked like Denver Broncos orange, too, yeah, which is a very specific orange. orange. Crush. So he might have been trying to give some hints back then. But either way, uh, they got their man. Texas got their man. Here's what I like about D'Amico Ryans, though. Um, and, and there are a few things I like about him. And I, I've done some research on him and his time and really kind of the glowing endorsements. He's got great references. That's the best way to say it, right? You get you go get for a job, you go for an interview. They want to see your references. Who are your references? Who is basically going to vouch for this guy and say, oh, he's a hell of a guy. He's going to be a great coach. And when you go back and look, uh, you know, D'Amico Ryan has been building these references, great ones, over the years. Um, and one of them was Wade Phillips. And I love this what Wade Phillips said about D'Amico Ryan. This is actually like a, a couple of years ago. He said, quote, he wasn't a star player, but he was a good player. And sometimes those kind of players make better coaches because they have to work at doing things and learn to teach those things. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that in the NBA all the time. It's like, yeah, actually some of your best players, they're not the best coaches because it was too easy for them, meaning – they were too blessed by God with such a unique, elite, extraordinary skill set. When you're just, when you're honestly kind of like a guy like Rod B, um, who I, I was a good player. I mean, I was an All-American, but I wasn't as naturally gifted as guys I played with like a Michael Huff or hell, Cedric Griffin or Aaron Ross. I mean, talking about elite guys, I saw like, okay, that guy's going to play on Sundays and be drafted really high. He's legit. So you got to work a little harder, right? You got to go and get more film study. Your football IQ's got to be a little bit higher than everybody else's. So you got to work a little bit harder on the fundamentals, on the technique, and that helps you learn the game better from an inside-out perspective and what you must do to be disciplined on every down, every snap to be successful. If you're just naturally gifted freak, man, that's sometimes you can just cheat. You're just mm-hmm. freakier than everybody else. All right. So your your freaky your freaky skill set allows you to cheat. Now, not all great gifted athletes are, you know, cheating the game and not working hard and that kind of thing. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think it's easier to make the transition from a as a coach when you weren't an elite player. Um, because like I said, you had to learn so many of the fundamentals and the technique. I'm not saying that's what's gonna make him great, but I'm saying I like that part of uh, the kind of coaching resume, the data points. Also, I saw this little story uh, J.J. Watt put out there mm-hmm. about the leadership of D'Amico Ryans. <clears throat> and he basically says, as a rookie in Houston, <laughs> I bought my first house across the street from D'Amico Ryans because I thought to myself, if D'Amico is living here, it must be the right place to live. <laughs> hey, I love that. <laughs> because he was our captain, our leader, 
Um, and he was smart, tough, and personable. Crushed it as DC. He will be a great head coach. Uh, I love that story. And there are there are stories like that about uh, D'Amico Ryan. As a matter of fact, one of the great stories that, that that's told about him is about Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub talks about how how annoying uh, D'Amico Ryan was as a player because he would always stalk Matt Schaub to try to figure out what the offense is doing. He wanted to know offense inside out. He wasn't enough for him just to know his job and to know what the defense is doing and to know the, the, the responsibilities of his teammates. No, no. He wanted to know what the offense was doing. That, to me, is that, that inquisitive uh, you know, mind, that curious mind, usually also that is, you know, that, that's one of the data points I'm looking for in a great head coach. And hopefully he can be that. But here's mm-hmm. what Matt Schaub said. He said, I remember being hounded by D'Amico Ryans for clues into what the offense was trying to achieve. <clears throat> in the locker room, in the mill room, on the field, on the side, when our reps were over, hey, uh, Matt, I saw this formation. Is this something we should look for off of that? Like a play action or something? He always wanted to visualize because defense looks at things from an offensive formations. Because Ryans was so focused on offense side of the ball, he started to catch and call out tendencies for the offense. In Schaub himself, Schaub said it actually started to irritate him because he would predict when Matt Schaub was handing the ball off and when he was faking the handoff for a play-action pass, all based off the behavior of Matt Schaub's offhand. He said it was this sort of behavior that made former Texans nose tackle Sean Cody said he referred to Ryan's as uh, basically our coach. We called him Cap for the captain. El Capitan, basically, (laughs) that he was a captain. Uh, I love this uh, little nugget from my man Shano. In 2017, when he hired D'Amico Ryans, remember, he worked with D'Amico Ryans in Houston. He was the OC there. D'Amico Ryans was the middle linebacker there. Um, So he hired D'Amico Ryans. As soon as he got to the 49ers, like, no, no, I want this guy on my staff. And then eventually uh, promoted him to, to defensive coordinator. But in 2017, he was a quality control coach. And this is six years removed from playing football himself. And this is what Kyle Shanahan said about him at the time in 2017. Quote, it's a matter of time before D'Amico is a coordinator in this league. And then it's a matter of time before he's a head coach in this league. Mm. Boom. He was right. Both accounts. He was a coordinator ding, ding. and a head coach. Um, but then it goes even further. Uh, that was also his defensive coordinator, Bill Davis. He told Jim Trotter. Um, back when D'Amico Ryans was playing, that D'Amico Ryans was such a, a football savant that he would build two defensive game plans each week. One, that the defense could run no matter what the case and what the situation and circumstance, but he would make another if Ryans was on the field. Because D'Amico Ryans basically could run the defense himself. He was a he was uh, essentially a smaller version of the defensive coordinator on the field. Not smaller, but he was a different version, I should say. A player version of the defensive coordinator on the field. And he said D'Amico's so talented, he will go to the next level and be a phenomenal head coach in this league because of the way he handles himself on a day-to-day basis. So, once again, you got Bill Davis saying back then, oh, no, he'll be a phenomenal head coach. Way before this guy is getting mentions or interviews for being a head coach. Yep. I love this one. Chip Kelly. Who I was a big fan of, still a big fan of. Now he's a UCLA head coach. He was once the uh, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's when he got to know D'Amico Ryans when he was there. And when he went to San Francisco for one year, he filled out a coach's bio. A little cute thing. Favorite food, <laughs> favorite movie, best football nickname, blah, blah, blah. All right. Uh, under a player that would make a great head coach one day. This is back in 
20, you know, just back when Chip Kelly became head coach of the 49ers. So back in 2016 or before Shano got the job. He'll Tum, Tum Sula around that time, right? When they they did two uh, one and dones back to back. Under that question, who would make a great head coach? Chip Kelly put D'Amico Ryan's. And a few years later, Chip Kelly told the Athletic, "Quote: It wouldn't surprise me if D'Amico became president. He was a big D'Amico Ryan's fan. As a matter of fact, Chip Kelly used to call D'Amico Ryan's Mufasa because he was the king. Because <laughs> he was the king of the jungle, called the Mufasa. And at the time, they drafted what essentially was his Simba because Jordan Hicks was drafted as a rookie." In 2015, I believe, by them. And at the time, D'Amico Ryans was dealing with a ruptured Achilles tendon. So he couldn't play and he was not going to play. And Jordan Hicks, to this day, if you ask him what player or coach taught, has taught you the most about the NFL and about being an uh, NFL linebacker, he says D'Amico Ryans. Because D'Amico Ryans was basically hurt, so he was basically a coach at the time. And Jordan Hicks was a rookie. And he was just spitting knowledge at him, just dropping science on this young buck. Play after play. Or Jordan Hicks said, I would go to the sideline and just get, he said, I was just drinking through a fire hose. He just get all this information from the Vico runs about details, about, you know, hand placement, about technique and foundation. Turns out Jordan Hicks is now an NFL veteran going on how many years? Going on yeah. eight, nine years, yeah. something like that in the league. I don't know how many It seems to be getting better. <laughs> and getting better. Yeah. Uh, and D'Amico Ryan's was a part of that foundation for a young Jordan Hicks. And so you have all of these different you know, instances of coaches going on the record, references, who have said over time, before he was even mentioned in head coaching conversations, oh, this guy's going to be a hell of a head coach. Mm-hmm. That's where he's going. I, that, that's part of what doing the when I'm doing my research, part of what gave me a lot of confidence and optimism that D'Amico Ryans was worth a shot. Is he going to be a success? Nobody knows. We don't know. You never um, know. You never know. My three biggest questions are, who's the OC, who's the quarterback coach, and who's your assistant head coach because he doesn't have any head coaching experience. But other than that, I, I do feel like you're going to be better off. Even if he doesn't win and you're not winning a ton of games right away, I think you'll be better off because you'll change the culture because he's going to bring credibility back uh, to the Texans as it relates to the community and their community involvement um, and the community investment with fans because all of the mm-hmm. players will come back and they love him, like Andre Johnson and J.J. Watt. But also I think he will rebuild your defense to to becoming a damn good defense. You got pieces, by the way. I mean, you got Jalen Petrie yep. on that defense. Hell, Jalen Petrie, you know, people don't talk about it, but Jalen Petrie it basically was one of the, the, the NFL leading tacklers. He led all safeties with 155 plays made as a rookie. Bringing the pain. Yeah, I mean, he's a damn good player. And they got yep. Christian Harris, who he had issues with, you know, kind of broken tackles, but he was a damn good player for mm-hmm. them. Uh, they ended up with, I think the Texans had, they had six rookies starting by the end of the year. And a lot of those were on defense with Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie. And Derek Stingley, like you said, got a lockdown corner to work yep. with, too. Yep. So there's some pieces for the Texans. And you got $40 million in cap space. And you got 12 picks in the draft, six in the top 100. There's a lot of building blocks in place. So I'm excited about D'Amico Ryans. I think they might have got the right guy for the job. The question is, can he deal with the dysfunction of the Texans and will he start to change the culture of that organization? Because that ultimately is what they're going to need to do to be a championship team. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm all in on this hire. I told you that from the very beginning since you started talking about him. I watched him throughout his career. I thought he was a damn good linebacker with the Texans and even better linebacker when he was with the uh, 
uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and then I started watching his career as it was going in the places that he was at. Because like you, I went and looked up all of his stops and where he started at and how he got to this position. The dude is the face of your organization, and that is the one thing that I believe the Texans were missing out on. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lovey Smith, love him. Uh, but he's an older coach. He's been around the league. He's done some different things. He's He, he was a stop guy. We already knew what David Culley was when he took the job because that was his first coaching job, and he had been mm-hmm. a lifer in the league anyway. And the Texans were trying to position everything and thinking, hey, we need to get – we got Bill O'Brien out of here. We need somebody to fill this void. He's a safe pick. Now this is the time for you to build. This mm-hmm. is something to get the city back behind you. You got all these former players there. Patrick talked about this before. All of a sudden, you saw Andre Johnson back around the facility. Now you're making moves to get people back engaged in the football there. I think this was a a great hire. I think he's going to do an unbelievable job. But to your point, I'm still looking for that phone call to Eric Public be enemy. I need Eric Public be enemy on that sideline. That that will help him out a lot. Yeah, and I want to see if they start finding a few players to invest in to try and build, I think if you're going to try and build any culture there, you got to get away from these mercenary deals for everybody, yep, yep, yep. and just trying to coast by year by year. And this hire, and you hope that six years means something that they're actually going to have a mm-hmm. plan going forward. Because I think Casario was drafted well. I don't think he's had a plan of how to rebuild, other than hey man, we'll get lucky in the draft one year and get that guy. And once we get that guy, then I'll build. You're like you can't. Yeah, you got to try and go forward and build around it, and then hopefully you get that guy in there. But if you just wait for the guy, by the time the guy's window closes, you're not there. I'm with you. Yep. yep, I think your guys are. your two tackles on offense. Damian Pierce is a guy you can build around. Uh, defensively, Derek Stingley is a guy you're building around. Jalen Petrie is a guy you're building around. And you know, right now, those are your guys you're building around. Yep. You don't have many, but I'm with you, Patrick. you got to get to the point. In this draft, you should be drafting building blocks. Yeah, and Franchise I think quarterback, there's like probably that. a few guys on this defense that D'Amico Ryan needs to go in and go, hey, let's keep this guy for three or four more years. He may not be the guy. He may be a backup in two years. We're not going to pay him a ton, but we need to keep him because he's a good guy. And he's going to help us build, and it means we don't have to draft that position right away. We yep. can go fill these other places, and he's a great stopgap for us until we can. Yep. I, we have luxury to go pick up another D tackle or whoever it is. Yeah, I think he needs to find a few of those guys mm. and give him a contract now to stabilize some of the unrest, and maybe that'll help them get some free agents too. Because if I'm a free agent, I probably don't want to go to a place that's only offering one, two-year deals. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. It's a good point. Uh, All right, we come back. We'll get into another off-the-record. This school lunch lady, um, man, uh, she pulled a stunt for the ages. We'll talk about this and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie, right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a Top of the Charts Tuesday right here on Ball Don't Lie. We play jams. I reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. I know what this jam is. It's getting ready to drop, ain't it? Well, it just takes a minute. It takes a minute, yeah, though. Yeah, they, they want you to just, there it there is. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, All I see is Richard Pryor giving you time to get to the, the dance floor, man. That's giving you time to get to the dance floor. <laughs> All I see is Richard Pryor coming in as the church guy, the yeah. pastor. Oh, yeah. While he's talking to everybody <laughs> at the car wash, dog. That's every time. That is and true. And he starts making money with the Pointer Sisters. <laughs> that's what he does. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Anybody worked at a car wash? You worked everywhere. I've not worked, worked at, at a car, car wash. wash? No. Yeah. It's curious if you worked at a car wash. I've, no, I've had done a, I've done a charity car wash. I said I've had car washes, charity car washes, yep. which don't make many money. We didn't have any no. cute women there. Then you need good-looking women there to wash the cars, not dudes washing. Yeah. Scandally clad. Scandally clad women yeah, washing cars. I don't. The people who want to come see the group of fifteen-year-old boys, <laughs> not the group that you need to be at a car wash for. <laughs> exactly. You don't know, you know, want that that dude rolling up. That no. ain't good. Man, right? I think we wash his. Like, this is a third car he's brought. <laughs> or that old. That's a teacher rolling up. Huh? That, that, yeah. that very inappropriate teacher. She's like, hi, guys. Hi, guys. I'm here, you guys. I got snacks. I'm here to help out. I'm just here to- yeah. <laughs> I've got snacks back at the house. Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's get to this. Uh, speaking of school, this has this is school related. So this comes from Illinois. Uh, the food service director for an, in uh, a south suburban school district has been accused of stealing $1.5 million worth of food, mainly... Chicken wings, according to WGN. Vera Lydell, 66, worked for the Harvey School District, uh, 152, for more than a decade, according to her LinkedIn account. The massive fraud began at the height of COVID during a time when students were not allowed to be physically present in school. Even though the children were learning remotely, the school district continued to provide meals for the students after their families could pick up. Court records accused Lydell of ordering for more, uh, ordering more than 11,000 cases of chicken wings from the school district's food provider and then picking up the order in a district cargo van. Mm. Damn! The food was never brought to the school or provided to the students. <laughs> district funds were used to pay for the food according to prosecutors who did not reveal what became of them chicken wings. The scheme was uncovered uncovered by the business manager during a routine mid-year audit. The manager found the district was $300,000 over its annual food service budget. Um, She discovered individual invoices signed by Liddell for massive quantities of chicken wings an item that was never served to students because they contained bones. So, So guys, she ordered food that they didn't even use, that they never would use. Well, that's why she got caught. If she was ordering stuff that they would use all the time, like, I don't know, chicken fried steak or pizza or something, she might have got away with this thing. But she wanted she the chicken a, wings she, really bad. She had a side hustle. Ch- chicken wings are expensive, though. Yeah, she I, was selling them out, out of her trailer. I, you know she was over there. She had that side. Slagging them wings. Yeah, slagging wings. Hey, man, you go over. Miss Liddell got them good wings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Miss Liddell got them good wings, y'all. Them lemon pepper wings. Oh, yeah. She got them extra lemon, crispy. Them lemon pepper Jones, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she, she ain't wearing no mask doing it, no gloves. <laughs> no hairnet. She yeah, don't have man. none of that. $1.5 million worth of food, mostly chicken wings. And it's all prepackaged for you. Don't worry about it. I already cooked them. You know bags. what she probably got to do is heat them up. You woman. know what? Was she, was, doing, was she one of those people that opened up the Uber Eats place from her house? <laughs> like, you hear, during COVID, people were doing that oh, stuff. Yeah, that's she right. might have been, right. man. Because then right. what are you doing with all that food? You got you know, that's so the you thing. You can't eat all yourself. Because you everyone was doing that. Like, so all the restaurants were closed down. So people were just open up, like, little restaurants. And then Uber Eats would just go to your house and you would serve it, but you would make it a name and everything to seem like it was a real place. That's a great idea. The the best one was uh, Chuck E. Cheese didn't know how they were going to stay in business during COVID. 
So they made up a fake name of a pizza place and continued to sell pizza on Uber Eats and, and like Lyft and all that. What's the name of the pizza place? I get, but it was something that was like an Italian name <laughs> to make it seem nicer <laughs> and built this whole fake restaurant. Did it work? Yeah. And it, people were mad when they found out. Why because, were they mad? Because they realized they had been duped into thinking Chuck E. Cheese hey, pizza was good. That's all And they were like, you just tasteless people. Ordering this, like, oh, did you get Vincenzo's? And you know, <laughs> oh, Vincenzo's? And you know, they must have, they, you know the employees on the Yelp reviews. I'm like, yeah, this exactly. is awesome pizza. <laughs> Best pizza I've ever had. <laughs> Be sure to tip Five the delivery stars. Driver. Five stars. Five stars. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, man, I've said it before, though. Chicken wings have become America's new like uh, a national dish. It's chicken. Yep. It, 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 chicken wings. It's chicken. Period. It's not about chicken wings. It's just chicken. People love chicken in this country. I found chicken stats for you. Chicken consumption has grown seventy percent in this country since nineteen ninety. Uh, but uh, basically, if you look at beef and pork consumption, they've they've stayed relatively level. Yep. Um, since in that same time span. And how about this little chicken stat for you? Farm chickens account for 23 billion of the 30 billion land animals living on farms today. I like it. That's how obsessed we are with chicken. So there's a lot of chicken out there. I don't know why there are chicken shortages because there's a ton of chicken out there. Um, but there you go. On the west, and, and, and frying chicken is always linked to black people stereotypically. Man, what? And I don't know why because America and Chick-fil-A has proven it. Y'all all love chicken. Yeah. And a matter of fact, y'all love fried chicken because all it is is fried chicken, those bigoted bites of joy. Uh, for Chick- the record, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Somebody just tweeted Pasqu- it. Pasquale's Pizza and Wings hey, was, oh, was high-end <laughs> pizza. By the way, Pasquale, the name of the chef in the animatronic band. Uh, there it is. <laughs> is that for real? They didn't that? even hide it. Is it was that real? Yes. Wow. And they did it. And they uh, Yeah, so if you ate Pasquale's over... Over the, over the lockdown. Yeah, I want a review. Let me know how Pasquale's was. Was it good? It's like that commercial. If you ate Pasquale's over the week, <laughs> I, maybe that was be, where the wings were going. You might be in for a settlement. You might be in for a settlement. Wow. Yeah, pizza and wings should have got together. That would have been a great combo. Miss Liddell's over there at Pasquale's. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's yeah. like rap music. Miss like Liddell. you said, everybody loves chicken just like everybody loves rap music. It's not only consumed by one uh, race. This is true. It's consumed by everybody. It's very true. Yeah, yeah. It's a great point. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so damn popular. It wouldn't be popular. There you go. There I it love is. that. Alright, uh, we come back. We'll get into the big news from the NFL that Sean Payne's been hired by the Denver Broncos. We'll get to that. And also, Big 12 football schedule released. We'll get to the details about that. Jam-packed right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.